0: Welcome to Stuff We Love Podcast. Greetings everyone and welcome to the Stuff We Love Podcast. Tonight we're gonna be doing something a little bit different. Actually gonna be having a solo episode. So it'll just be me, Scott, talking to you tonight. Uh normally as you know we have at least one other person on the show. Uh could be a host, could another guest, but due to scheduling, it just didn't work out that way tonight those of you who have been listening to the show for a while know that i'm often joined by jack or joe and uh jack's busy at school and joe's busy working right now so i wanted to get some content out to you a few things i wanted to talk about and uh, we'll see how it goes tonight so this is not something i normally do i normally uh have other people on the podcast so just go with the flow and see how it turns out tonight uh we'll be bringing back a guest on the next episode coming up Uh, Stuff We Love Podcast is now available on Spotify, so if that's how you listen to your podcasts, feel free to check us out there. And of course, we're on all of the other podcast platforms. If you're new to the show and you've just tuned into our past few episodes, you might think that all we talk about are the theme parks. And that certainly comprises a large part of what we discuss here on the podcast, but as the name of the podcast suggests, we are the Stuff We Love podcast. And we talk about more than just the theme parks. We'll talk movies and music, maybe a little sports, video games, books. We haven't really done that too much, but that's something i like to maybe get into. So it's really a whole selection of different pop culture topics. And, of course, talk about Disney and Universal Studios and all that good stuff. Uh, our most recent episode featured Jay and Ella, from universally speaking they are really great people i enjoyed chatting with them about their love for universal studios orlando we've gotten tremendous feedback on that episode and a lot of listens to that episode uh right before that we were joined by nick who's been on the podcast a couple of times nick is a frequent visitor to walt disney world and he uh, joined me for a discussion about our favorite disney world dining selections that also has gotten tremendous feedback and we thank you all for listening so uh, tonight as I record this, it's Super Tuesday here in the United States. For those of you listening around the world, Super Tuesday is significant because it's a day in which the, there, there are multiple uh, voters in, how should I say this, many states have their voters go vote in the primary elections to determine who will be the nominees for president in the United States. You know, recently I talked to Jack, our co-host, about covering some politics on the Stuff We Love podcast, but in a totally nonpartisan way, just simply commenting on what's taking place in the political arena, uh, because that's something we're very interested in. I just don't see how that can happen, because I feel like when you talk about politics, unless you're a seasoned veteran news reporter, it's impossible to discuss it without letting your personal biases get in the way. So we're not going to uh, talk about politics much in, in terms of politics here on the podcast, but it's a, it's important to note that today is a significant day here in the country as many people go vote and the votes keep coming in um, and uh, we'll see how that turns out. It's also a significant day in the world of theme parks because today maybe even as we speak, although I'm not sure perhaps the uh, ceremony ended Mickey's Runaway Railway. Am I saying that right, by the way? I want to make sure that I'm getting the full name of the new attraction at disney's hollywood studios correct it's mickey and minnie mouse mickey and minnie's runaway railway that's the name of the uh, attraction that opens to the public tomorrow and there's a bunch of stuff today journalists and uh, other members of the media had the opportunity to experience the attraction this is of course taking the place of the great movie ride which is located which was located in the groundman chinese theater replica over at disney's hollywood studios for those of you who have been to disney world many times over the years you may have fond memories of going on the great movie ride i know i certainly do i used to love getting on that transport entering the world of movies while hooray for hollywood played over the loudspeaker system and you would see audio animatronics of famous hollywood stars such as gene kelly and james cagney humphrey bogart egan bergman Um, Julie Andrews, Dick Van Dyke, Clint Eastwood and many others and it was a journey into the movies and that really to me fit well with Hollywood Studios. The attraction did become a little bit dated as the years went on and even I got a bit tired of riding it. I was still upset when it closed at least for nostalgic reasons I felt sad about it and then they announced Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway uh, which sounded great on paper the description of it looked like it It sounded tremendous. It, it, it was very clear that there was going to be good use of technology in the attraction. And Initial reports coming out of Walt Disney World today suggest that the attraction is a home run. People have loved this attraction. It's actually the first attraction in Walt Disney World to feature Mickey Mouse, which sounds surprising, but that's the way it is and I'm excited for it. I can't wait to ride it. I'm going to try to avoid YouTube videos that show the attraction itself. I I would like to experience it from as fresh a perspective as I can when going on it for the first time. But I'm very excited for it, very excited for future visits to Disney World and now Hollywood Studios. There's so much to do and the crowd levels reflect that. It's not just Galaxy's Edge but you could go there and you have your Traditional standbys and favorites like Tower of Terror and Rock and Roller Coaster and Star Tours, and now you got all of Galaxy's Edge. You got Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway. You have those good restaurant options for you. There's plenty to do there. It's a very much a full day park, and with the crowd levels, it may end up being more than just a full day park. So that's what's going on in Disney, and of course, you had the recent news of Bob Iger stepping down, being replaced by Bob Chapek as head of the Disney Company. I'm not going to comment much on that. There's nothing much I can add to the discussion other than like Disney fans everywhere I'm very much in a wait and see mode with it. I'm intrigued as to how this is all going to turn out. The one thing I will say related to Bob Iger is that I encourage all of you to go read his book which came out last year. I read it uh, recently myself. The name of the book um, is The Ride of of a Lifetime, Lessons Learned from 15 Years as CEO. And it's a really interesting read. It's not just a business advice book, although there is plenty of that in there, but it is also a collection of stories about his entire career, from when he was a young network executive to his rise at Disney and what propelled him to head of the company and his experiences in acquiring Lucasfilm, acquiring Marvel, 20th Century Fox, the start of Disney+, it's all in there and there was a lot I learned and I really, really enjoyed it. So go check out that book and we'll see how that all plays out in the world of Disney. It's gonna be very interesting as we head towards the 50th anniversary of Walt Disney World next year. Uh, let's see, what, a few things I wanted to talk to you about tonight in addition to the theme parks. Uh, let's begin with the movie The Invisible Man. I went to see this film when it opened last Friday and I really really enjoyed it. When it comes to the classic Universal Studios monsters, let's look at which monsters comprise that roster. You have Dracula, the Frankenstein monster, the Wolfman, the Mummy, Creature from the Black Lagoon, the Invisible Man is considered part of that, and I guess those are the main ones. I don't think I'm leaving anybody out the Phantom of the Opera I guess would fit into that category too and when I've watched the original film version of the Invisible Man starring Claude Rains I I thought it was fantastic it was a total surprise for me I never thought I would have enjoyed that movie so much and I do have a good memory of watching it several years ago and thinking it was really terrific so I was intrigued to go see this update on the film and what enhanced my anticipation for the experience was the fact that Blumhouse was behind it. Blumhouse has certainly had their misses. There's been a couple of Blumhouse films that I was not a fan of, some that I had no interest in seeing, but overall I think in the world of horror they really do a terrific terrific job and they certainly succeeded on The Invisible Man. This film starring Elizabeth Moss uh, was exciting unpredictable to me scary at times suspenseful and did everything you want a horror film to do I also really want to give props to the director I believe his name is Lee Wannell who had done some work in the Saw franchise for really doing a tremendous job on this film I thought his direction worked so well there were several scenes in the film where I thought the camera shots that were used, the way things were staged, just was tremendous. And I I thought it was a good film. It was number one at the box office last weekend. And it was the rare type of horror movie that actually gets good reviews from critics. Now, horror films generally don't do well critically. That's never stopped me from loving them. They are my favorite type of movie overall, favorite genre. But, they're not loved by the critics. The Invisible Man was. It got very good reviews. Let me check right now what the Rotten Tomatoes uh, critical approval level is. I know that you're not supposed to leave so much time on the air saying nothing, but this is a uh, solo episode. It's a little bit different, so we'll do that. Uh, let's see. We got a 91% critical approval and an 88% audience approval for The Invisible Man. So very high marks and uh, I really uh, understand that. Elizabeth Moss also did a great job in the film. I thought her performance was emotional and uh, really resonated uh, in in the film. I thought it was great. So if you're looking for something good to see in theaters, especially if you're a horror fan, go check out The Invisible Man. It wasn't perfect. There were some things which didn't really make a lot of sense to me. Some of those things were explained by Bill Simmons on a podcast today uh, that's part of the Ringer Network, the big picture. He made an appearance talking about what he thought were the flaws in the movie The Invisible Man. But overall, I really enjoyed it. And it's been a time where, even for me as a horror fan, not many of the recent horror releases have really piqued my interest. And I haven't seen much in theaters, actually, in the world of horror. One thing I did rent, because it was a 99-cent rental on Apple, was the movie Crawl which came out last year about a college student and her father who are trapped in the father's home during a very intense hurricane in Florida. And there are multiple alligators with them in the enclosed uh, space of the, uh, the basement in the house. It's a horror film. It was actually really good. Another film that I heard a lot of positive things about. Go check that out as well. I enjoyed that. That's Crawl. Second thing I wanted to draw your attention to is on the Stuff We Love podcast website, which is stuffwelovepodcast.com. I recently published a blog entry, which is relatively simple, but it was something I wanted to write about. The name of the blog entry is The Magnificence of Spring Training. Those of you that listen to the podcast or follow me on Twitter would know that I'm a big sports fan. And I love baseball. It's one of my favorite sports. I think hockey is probably my favorite right now, but baseball is number two, I think. That can always change. And right now, as I record this, it's March 3rd, and spring training is in full effect. The players are warming up down in Florida and uh, out west in Arizona, getting ready for the upcoming season, playing the exhibition games. And for me, baseball exhibition games are probably the only practice games that I can watch. I I really don't have much of an interest in watching NHL preseason, NBA preseason, even NFL preseason. I just don't have much of an interest. But I do like watching spring training games. And I guess the reason for it is kind of highlighted in this blog post that I wrote, which is that there's something very refreshing as we are here in winter. And granted, it hasn't been a terrible winter weather-wise, but uh, the weather's still not as warm as it could be. Uh, or as it's going to be I should say when spring and summer come around there's something very refreshing about putting a game on seeing bright sunshine in Florida for example and watching baseball because baseball is a game that is really connected to the various times of the season it's very much associated with spring of course summer and then even the fall that's the why the World Series is famously known as the fall classic It's very connected to seasons, and at least when it comes to the start of the baseball season, that coincides very well with the start of spring. And what I say in this blog post is that, uh, first off, I begin by talking about the sounds of sports, the sounds that you hear when watching an NHL game, a football game, and then the sounds connected to baseball itself, the crack of the ball against the bat, the sound of the ball hitting the baseball glove. For a sport fan, those are sounds of comfort. And excitement. And when, when you go through a long winter, and January and February are long months of the year, let's face it. They really are not the most enjoyable months. And the players start to practice, and you hear those sounds. It makes you realize not just that baseball is close, which is great if you're a fan, but also that the warmer weather is not far away. And that soon we're going to be out of the winter, enjoying the springtime, enjoying the summer and then enjoying the fall way down the road in the playoffs one of my favorite lines in this blog post let me read it to you i say spring training is about more than just the sport of baseball itself as soon as pitchers and catchers report it is not far fetched for fans to think about the impending arrival of spring and summer and the warmer weather those seasons bring thoughts turn to beautiful sunny days and wonderful summer evenings in which barbecues and baseball are often the themes of the night. All the joy that summer brings begins to be realized when Major League Baseball returns from its winter hiatus. I think that's pretty good. I'm proud of how that turned out. So uh, check out that blog post. I think you'll enjoy it. If you listen to the podcast, you know we, we listen to every type of music. We don't limit ourselves to any genre. There's a few things I've been listening to recently that I would like to recommend to you. Uh, one of them, I think, was a stuff we love recommendation recently. It's the ha- new Harry Styles album. and it's not that new anymore. It came out last year. Uh, the name of the album is, why am I forgetting this? Fine line. That's the name of the album It came out in 2019. Great album. Uh, really, really enjoyed it. If you want to be very entertained and you have serious XM, go listen to the Howard Stern Harry Styles interview that first aired yesterday so that would be Monday March 2nd it was a really great interview that Howard conducted of Harry with his band and they talked about everything ranging from Harry's love of the Beatles and Paul McCartney to uh, what it's like writing songs, talked about his friendship with Stevie Nicks, talked about his experience being in One Direction, his relationship with Taylor Swift, a whole bunch of topics. And Howard, whenever he does these in-depth interviews, they're fascinating. They really are. Harry Styles performed two songs on the Howard Stern Show. One of them was a cover of Peter Gabriel's Sledgehammer, really great cover. And the other one was his song, Adore You, Harry Styles' song, Adore You, which is one of the big hits off the album. I think it was actually number one on Sirius XM Hits 1 this past weekend. I think it's been that way for a couple of weekends now. Really great song. And I thought it was a tremendous uh, interview and a couple of musical performances. So go check that out. Another album recommendation I wanted to give you is the new James Taylor album. That's entitled American Standard. And what that album is, is a collection of James Taylor's cover versions of songs that make up the Great American Songbook which is a way of saying that it's his covers of standards. Standards are songs that have stood the test of time, been performed by multiple artists, and are part of the, uh, part of the canon of popular music and have stayed that way for a long time and will, to a certain degree will probably always stay that way. I'm a big James Taylor fan. He has a fascinating history going back to his being launched by the Beatles, basically, with Apple Records in, 19 I guess it was 1968, 1969, His voice is as good now as it ever was. He sounds as good as he did when he was in his 20s. Uh, There's something very comforting about James Taylor's voice. It just, to me at least, it relaxes me. I find his musical interpretations to be very strong. Whenever he's covered a song, I find his musical genius really shines on through because he's able to really bring his unique take to the song. And here on American Standard, you hear him do that with some songs from the Great American Songbook. A couple of highlights I'll just mention for you. His cover of Almost Like Being in Love, which is from the Rodgers and Hart musical Babes in Arms, is really, really good. He performed that last night on the Stephen Colbert show. It's uh, kind of a... has jazz influences. A little bit of... Uh, I don't even know if it's... I wouldn't call it... I was going to say country. I don't think I'd call it country. But it's a really good track. Also love his cover of uh, The Nearness of You, which has, I guess, a bossa nova type feel, if I'm saying that correctly. And um, he does Surrey with the Fringe on Top from the musical Oklahoma. It's really a great album. Teach Me Tonight, which is famously done by Dinah Washington. I think his version of it is tremendous. That's definitely a bossa nova inspired version. Sit Down, You in the Boat from Guys and Dolls. He does a really good version of that song. It's it's a solid album. And uh, I would like to see some of the newer generation of artists, people like Harry Styles or Ariana Grande, cover some of these great American songbook tracks because I think that would help preserve the songs for future generations. I I don't see that happening. I just uh, don't see them doing that type of stuff. But it would be nice. When I was young, I have uh, vivid memories of being introduced to standards music by my parents. I remember being in the car and they would be playing Frank Sinatra and as a kid I wasn't really into it. I was actually kind of bored with it which is crazy to me now because I listen to Frank Sinatra very often. He's one of my favorite artists of all time but as a kid I had a hard time latching onto that genre of music and now I love it. I really do. I've listened to it for years. I, I don't listen to it as much as I used to, maybe because I've heard the song so many times. And I guess one of the things that's nice about this new James Taylor album is that you're able to hear the songs from a fresh perspective. Nothing on it is stale. It's cool to say, oh yeah, that's how he did that song. And okay, I've heard this song done by Sinatra. I've heard it done by in, in musical performances, but on stage and screen. But it's nice to see how James Taylor approaches those tracks. So you're able to sort of enhance your uh, musical understanding of the Great American Songbook by listening to this album. So check that out, American Standard. It's a really solid album by James Taylor. Uh, What else can I tell you by way of music? What else have I been listening to recently? There's a great guitarist named Lawrence Juber. He was part of Wings, towards the end of Wings' time together. And he has an upcoming release. It's his fourth album album of covers of Beatles songs. This one is called the Fab Fourth. If you go on, I'm looking at Apple Music now, although I'm sure it's the same way on Spotify. One track from the album has been released, that's Across the Universe. It's the opening track on the album. He has an amazing ability to bring his unique guitar interpretations uh, to the Beatles songs. Sometimes you'll be listening to his performances and you'll think there's 20 guitarists on the track, when it's really just one. I've actually seen him live before. I've met him a couple times. He's a very nice guy. and He uh, is one of the most talented guitarists I've ever heard play, and that's really remarkable. Check him out if you're into that type of thing. Uh, Recently started listening to a lot of The Birds. I never really listened to much of The Birds other than the hit songs, but I went back and discovered some of that stuff, which is really good. Give you one more recommendation. Another guitar album of Beatles covers, Let It Be Guitar by Joel Patterson. I first became aware of Joel Patterson when he released a an album of Christmas songs, it's very much a 1950s rockabilly guitar sound. I think of kind of like a Chet Atkins guitar sound. And I was reading uh, some Beatles-related articles in Flipboard, one of my favorite apps, and I saw that there's this album of Beatles covers by Joel Patterson. And I went and listened to it, and it's great. Like I said, very much that 50s rockabilly influence. So if you're into that, check out this album. It's really, really good. Uh, That's Let It Be Guitar. Joel Patterson plays the Beatles. And I did subscribe to it on, or not subscribe to it, I, I downloaded it on Apple Music. So check that out. also wanted to give you some of my recent podcast recommendations. Now turning back to sports, if you're familiar with sports, you may be aware of one of the most legendary radio sports commentators of all time. That's Mike Francesa. He was on New York's WFAN for many, many years for many years, for many of those years, was joined by Chris Russo. Their show was Mike and the Mad Dog, extremely popular. Had an ESPN 30 for 30 all about it. And uh, he retired. Came back. He I don't want to say he's retired again, but he stepped down from his regular show, which aired from 3 p.m. to 6 or 6:30 6 weekdays. And what he does now is release. He's on the air from 6 to 6:30. 6 weekday evenings and he has a podcast of each episode shortly after it airs on the radio that's Mike's on with Francesa so if you're into sports check it out he's a some fans like him some fans are not really some sports fans are not really into him but I find his commentary to be interesting even if it's not something I always agree with so check that out I, I enjoy that another podcast that I really really enjoy is the Sasquatch Lounge which is hosted by a guy named Bart Scott Sasquatch Lounge with Bart Scott. And this is a podcast that is devoted to theme parks, horror, and I'll call pop culture miscellaneous type topics. I just like listening to him. I find him to be a very interesting guy. I think I may have talked about this on a previous episode of the podcast, but recently I became aware of the Sasquatch Lounge. It may have been on Twitter. One of my friends posted about it. I really enjoy his commentary related to Halloween Horror Nights at Universal. I enjoy listening to, to him speak about his theme park experiences. He's been to uh, the Orlando parks many times, and I think he brings his experiences there. Uh, and talk. Uh, he's able to bring his experiences to the podcast in a very productive way for the listener. Uh, so I enjoy hearing him talk about the theme parks, uh, he's also an author, and while I haven't read anything he's written yet, I know there was a recent release, uh, a book of his that came out. Let me promote it here on the Stuff We Love podcast because I am going to be purchasing it for myself. And that book, Emily Moonlight, just came out last week. Sounds really good. He's very, uh, very proud of it from what he was saying on the Stuff We Lo- um, on the Sasquatch Lounge, and I'm going to be purchasing that. So I, I enjoyed that podcast. Very interesting. Good stuff. And I'll give you one other podcast recommendation. Let me see. I'm scrolling through my podcast app that I use, which is Overcast, by the way. I'll give another theme park plug. I'll I'll give, uh, you know, The Diz Unplugged is a very popular podcast for Disney fans, and they have multiple shows that are released. And I enjoy the best and worst of Walt Disney World. They release short episodes. They're about 15, 20 minutes, probably what this podcast length is going to be. And they talk about their top recommendations for certain things, like top five I don't know, the the, the best, there recently was an episode, the best photo opportunities on rides at Disney World, that type of stuff. And so it makes you think if you're a a theme park fan, oh, yeah, that's true, or I really like that thing that they're putting on their best list, or I don't disagree with them there, but it's really good. I enjoy that. And then, of course, I'll always give a plug to Butter and Bacon, the good stuff of Disney, Dean and Paul, and their friend Nick and uh, Amy, recently released an episode which was sort of an emergency episode in light of the Bob Iger Bob Chapek news discussing what the new head of Disney uh, what that means for the company and I really enjoyed listening to that I thought their commentary was interesting and in, uh, insightful uh, so check that out Butter Bacon I've been on their show a couple of times been honored to be on there Dean and Paul were on here that's certainly going to continue I really Really like listening to them, and uh, it was good to hear Amy on the podcast. She hadn't been on in a little bit. It's good to hear her and to hear Nick as well because I've, I've talked to Nick a couple times on Twitter. Twitter's amazing. I mean, if you're a fan of the theme parks and um, you like to follow what's going on at Disney World and Universe Studios, Disneyland, any any of that stuff, Twitter gives you so many opportunities. I can't tell you how many people I've started talking to on Twitter who have become friends Uh and we bond over our love of the theme parks, our love of sports. It's really an amazing place. And Instagram's the same way. I don't have as many followers on Instagram. Uh, certainly for the podcast, we have way more followers on Twitter than Instagram, although the Instagram's growing pretty quickly. Uh, and it's really a great place. It's a benefit of the 21st century. Social media has a lot of negatives associated with it. I mean, talking about politics earlier, there's a lot of a lot of crazy stuff on social media related to politics. And I have friends on there that have had to take social media breaks just because of the tensions in the political discourse recently. But you can really have a very positive experience, and that's certainly what I felt for me. Uh, It has been, especially Twitter and Instagram. Those have really uh, been very enjoyable for me. I'm so happy to have made friendships from those social media services. And that's really pretty much it for tonight. I just wanted to get some content out to you, our listeners. And thank you all for listening. Thank you for subscribing. The podcast is doing well. It's increasing in popularity. Like I mentioned on a recent episode, I checked our listenership on Spotify where we became available not too long ago. And there's a lot of people listening on there. I was very pleasantly surprised by that. And our general listenership numbers are very good as well and growing. And so I I thank you for listening. I thank you for subscribing. Jack and Joe, thank you as well. They'll be on again soon. And uh, please keep on listening. Uh, We enjoy putting out this content for you. Releasing the podcast has been a very positive experience thus far, and we think there's going to be a lot of exciting stuff to talk about in the year ahead. You know, we'll have to pay attention to this coronavirus and how it affects our travels. All of us on the podcast like to travel. We have trips planned this year, and we'll all have to see how those travels are affected by the coronavirus, Uh, but... Putting that aside for the moment, we love talking to you about our visits to the theme parks and other destinations. Joe has an exciting trip planned for this year, which he'll be telling us about later on. Many months from now, it's a summer trip, but we'll get to that later on. And uh, that's it. So let me take you through where you can find the uh, Stuff We Love podcast on social media. We're on Twitter at Stuff We Love Pod. Instagram at Stuff We Love Podcast. Our website is www.stuffwelovepodcast.com. You can write to us, com. Please leave us those good five-star reviews on iTunes. It makes it easier for others to find the show. And uh, if you haven't done so already, please subscribe. We do have a YouTube channel as well. Not a lot of content on there, but there's some videos, so check that out. And uh, that's it for tonight. So a little bit of a different episode, not our normal thing. But like I said, we wanted to get some content out to you. And uh, thank you for listening. This has been Scott on this episode of the Stuff We Love Podcast.